Hi, we're back with another NFL Pick Show. Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen will be taking a look at the Week 7 schedule, which includes a matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans, featuring Patrick Mahomes and Derrick Henry, an AFC North clash between the Ravens and the up-and-coming Bengals. In Los Angeles, quarterbacks traded for each other in the offseason. Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford dwell as the winless Lions meet the Rams. Rookie quarterbacks meet in round two as AFC East foes the New York Jets visit the New England Patriots. And the Texans head to the desert to face former teammates DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. The Cardinals are 6-0 and hoping to keep their perfect score against the talented depleted Houston team. It all comes to head on Monday Night Football when the Saints take on the Seahawks. We're about to get our questions answered and our free picks, so let's get into it. NFL Week 7 Pick Show, and thanks to those of you joining us live at our new time slot, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on YouTube on Fridays. And guys, as we work into this new time slot, a lot of injury news coming our way fast and furious as we get the show rolling. So when it comes to that multitasking frenzy on Friday mornings in Vegas, what's your approach to all this as pro betters? Well, for me, I... Uh... Uh, I've had people actually comment because uh, they feel like sometimes I'm disinterested or I'm not paying attention. Uh, and uh, I've previously announced when you're watching this show, you're not going to be missing anything that's going on because I'm looking at the line service. I'm looking at the uh, updates on the injury updates. And uh, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not just goofing around and um, um, not paying attention. I'm actually working twice as hard and and uh, previous shows, I've had to be making bets in the middle of the show. As a, as a better, I can't take 60 or 90 minutes out of my schedule to do a show like this without being able to multitask and bet. Yeah, I like your point. Not missing anything by joining us live here on Fridays on YouTube. And Scott, what's it like for you juggling a few things with a lot of news coming our way fast and furious? Yeah, no, it's just, it's the same thing, Matt. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple games, and uh, as we get to them, I'll kind of talk about them where this last bit of information is going to help me decide not not so much which way I'm going because it's not like I'm going this way or that way. That's already been kind of uh, – that opinion's already been formed. But do I actually jump on this game now because of the in injury information that we're going to get? So, And, uh, you know, that the lines can move very quick based on that. We've seen that in the past. So – um, you got to stay on top of it. So that's what we'll be doing. And the thing I love about this time slot, by the way, is we see stuff coming across. We just got an update on some of the stuff for Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll throw it out there as well. So, yeah, yeah. Doing our best to provide some value to the audience in real time here. And let's get to uh, our records for the season to show how we've been doing our best to provide some value through the first six weeks. We've got Above 500 records across the board. Again, I consider it a good sign if I have a slightly above 500 record, and that's bringing up the rear by a good bit. Um, somehow I'm 2-0 going head-to-head -head against each of you in one game so far this season, but I probably don't want to do that too much based on how well you guys are doing right now. So uh, we don't have any head-to-head -head plays this week, and that might be a good thing overall. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to it breaking down the NFL Week 7 board, including some best bets along the way. Just a couple quick housekeeping items before we get there. For the audience joining us live on YouTube, please go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and as always, go ahead and jump in that chat. Let us know if you have any questions, and also tell us who you like as we work down the Week 7 card. And if you really like teams and want to get in play, you can always sign up at BetUS. When doing so, go ahead and use the promo code NFL2021 to collect a 125% sign-up bonus. And for more information on that offer, you can check out the link below this video. All right, guys, let's get to the Sunday slate. Early window kicking off with perhaps the marquee game on a pretty underwhelming Week 7 slate. But we do have a nice AFC North showdown here with Cincinnati traveling to Baltimore. The Ravens, a soft 6.5-point favorite, total 46.5. And Chris, you've got an angle in play here to back the Ravens. I do. Um, you know, surprisingly enough, can you believe I have Cincinnati as a top 10 defense on my metrics? Uh, does that surprise either of you two? Uh, not really. So, no. based, on, based on preseason, probably so. But based on what we've seen this season, not as much. So it might depend on how you weight what we've seen through six weeks versus your priors. 
Yeah, I mean, they face some weak offenses, Chicago, Pittsburgh, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, so uh, that explains a little bit of it. But uh, I've got Baltimore in the top 10 I'm in both offense and defense. And uh, I think Cincinnati is a threat. And I think Baltimore knows they're a threat. And even though Baltimore annihilated them last year uh, in two meetings and, and quite often before that also, I, I think Baltimore's going to be ready. Uh, I, I think Baltimore goes into their bye after this also, don't they? Uh, I may be wrong. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, so uh, the first half of the season is just about to wind down. I think that they're going to be focused. And uh, I think the line is right where it belongs technically. But I'm, I like Baltimore for use in uh, a parlay. Just, you know, just to have some fun. I'm going to parlay them with another team coming up. Uh, uh, but but that's pretty much all I have. And if both these teams are playing well and uh, I, and I'd like to see a close game. I have a feeling Baltimore can put some distance on them, though. Uh, I, I, if I had to pick a side against the six and a half, I'd take the Baltimore. And when you mentioned a parlay, Chris, this is a money line parlay, correct? Not the maybe more conventional against the spread parlay? Yeah, I'm sorry. Instead of doing a teaser, because I'm going to do two teams that are in teaser range, but I... I'm going to get an extra point uh, out of it and pay the same price. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I would go ahead and lean Baltimore with you. I, I know they have the reputation of being a bully, especially in this matchup. And I know we always like to tell bullies to pick on someone their own size. In this case, what's keeping me from pulling the trigger on the Ravens is the fact that Cincinnati, for the first time in a while, might be sizing up with Baltimore a bit more favorably than we're used to. So just a lean to Baltimore for me for now. Scott, how do you see this one going down on Sunday? I think the line's about right. I made it uh, 5.8. I made the total about 46 and a half, 47. I do have three really good situations on the under in this game, but making the total basically where it is, there's to me, there's not enough value to play it. Uh, this is a divisional matchup. Uh, we I have gotten to the point in the season now where divisional games with a little bit higher totals, even though I know this is about average for the NFL scoring, they do tend to go under uh, the total. That has been a consistent year after year, uh, Mark, going all the way back to 1983. So I would just always exercise caution playing divisional games with high totals as we get to this part of the season going forward. Um, I'm just more interested in kind of watching this game and just seeing where Cincinnati measures up. They played well at home against Green Bay. Um, now this is another test. They're going to go on the road here. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm just kind of really curious to see where they where they uh, stack up here. Baltimore is just very surprisingly has been throwing the ball extremely well this year. So we'll see what comes from that. And just to kind of you know go back and 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 tag on you know what Chris said about the parlay. We noted this in the preseason stuff. Uh, Jackson, Lamar Jackson, now 13 and two straight up as a home favorite of more than six points. I know we're kind of on the fringe there. You, you know, you can nitpick that, but, um, when they have been a favorite a little bit bigger, they have 10 to one ended up winning the game. They had a struggle to do that against the Colts a few weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much you take from that, but they do find a way to win these games. So, uh, but I'm going to be sitting on the sideline watching it. Uh, but those are, you know, just kind of the things that I've seen from this game so far. Yeah, you, you know, I'd, like to, oh, go ahead, I'd like to just make a quick update because uh, if people watching live, you're not going to miss updated injuries. You're, if the line moves, we're going to let you know. And Colin Cowherd's Blazing 5 just came across, <laughs> and I know a lot of people like to, to see that. So quickly, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Carolina, Philadelphia, and Tampa Bay. How is he right. doing this year? You know, that's a good subject. You know, he had a monster year one year. And he yeah. usually does pretty well. He, the last I checked, he was at 40%, I believe. So when people say you can fade the public and, and just fade the popular, that's not necessarily true. You, you, just fading the public, there isn't enough variance for you to actually make a profit because of the vigorous involved. But if he's shooting 40%, yeah, you can fade him and make some money. You know, it's funny. I was on a forum years ago, and some guy was doing really poorly, and, and people were bashing him. And a guy chimed in, he said, why are you bashing this guy? We can make money off this guy. And again, you know, whatever percent he was hitting, right? And I sat there and I thought, you know, that's a pretty good point, right? If you're hitting 40% or 60%, there's a window there uh, on both sides of that, so. Yeah. All right, so Chris, going head to head with the herd on this one <laughs> on Sunday in Baltimore. Oh, I like next... my chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
by the way things have gone so far this season and the way you've broken this one down. Can't blame you there. Moving on to the next game on our card, an NFC showdown. The Panthers traveling to New York to take on the Giants. Actually, New Jersey, if we're going to be specific here. Uh, the Giants, a juicy plus three in this one is the home dog. Total sitting at 43. I've got a total we'll get to in a moment, but Chris, you're in play on a side. Well, I spoke about it in divisional previews, how happy I was as a Lions fan that they didn't piss away $17 million on Galladay because uh, he just wasn't going to make it. Uh, and, and sure enough, he's out again. Uh, and uh, uh, Barkley's out again. And uh, Tony's out again. And it, they're just decimated with injuries. And my metrics have it pretty solidly, Carolina. So it makes me like this game because as my brain tells me to take the Giants and I'm usually wrong, uh, the metrics uh, bail me out. So uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game either. I don't think uh, the Giants are going to do very well against the Carolina defense. And Carolina is no offensive juggernaut. So I would lean the under in this game also. But uh, I'm, I'm strictly going on the metrics on this. Darnold uh, has been up and down, mostly down. And the Giants can't get any footing. And I think the writing's on the wall for their season. And injuries are just piling up. Yeah, well, I will see your lean to the under and raise you a bet on the under 43 in this one. You touched on Darnold. He looked really encouraging through the first few weeks. But he's kind of reverted back to that previous form we saw while he was with the Jets. And now Matt Rule seems like he's going to be placing a renewed emphasis on the running game, saying he wants to run the ball. 30 to 33 times a game, which would basically put the Panthers on par with the most run-heavy team in the league. And against the Giants, that's not the best thing to do necessarily because they tend to be better so far this season, stopping the run as opposed to the pass. And on the other side of the ball, Daniel Jones is uh, about as allergic to pressure perhaps as any starting quarterback in the league. And the Panthers' defense, number one in the league in pass rush win rate. I've also got to ask for both teams here, guys. Who's going to be catching the ball? Because it's another game without Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. And a lot of those receivers, you know, as much as it's easy to pile on Darnold, his receivers did him no favors last week. A lot of drops. And with the Giants injuries just across the board as far as any of their pass catchers go. Uh, so points may be at a premium. Scott, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, I make the name, uh, the, the line about pick em. So based on that, a little bit of value on the Giants. I make the total 43, so it's right there. I, I find it kind of interesting when Matt Rule says he wants to run the ball. Uh, you can run the ball a little bit on the Giants. So I just always wonder if coaches say that sometimes, knowing that maybe they're going to have success and uh, so they can kind of go that route. And then it just instills maybe some positiveness into the team after they execute that. But um, I, got, I actually have a pretty good situation on the Giants in this game. I can't play them, though. I'm looking here. Since 2018, they're 4-16 and 16 against the spread as a home dog. They've only scored, and that's 20 games, and that's going back whatever that is, three years, uh, including this year, so it's not like that all took place way in the past. Um, and they've only scored more than 18 points in four of those games, which just uh, happened to be the four games that they covered the spread. So uh, if they score more than 18, they're probably going to cover the spread in this game. If they don't, uh, probably not. Um, and here's the other thing. Yes, Carolina is tailed off, but where they've had success this year against the Jets, uh, against Houston, and you could lump the Giants basically into that uh, segment of teams as well. So maybe they are likely to have a little success here. Uh, I do have a little bit of a model that I, I look at to determine if teasing a team is worth it. Uh, and when I look at this game, the Giants could be a possible tease candidate. If this went down the two and a half, I might take a look at them up to uh, eight and a half. But again, it's just hard seeing how poorly they've fared as a home underdog uh, to get too uh, hungry on taking them. But teaser would probably be the only thing I would do with this game if I did anything. Yeah, well, from one teaser candidate to another, let's get to the next game on the card. The Washington football team taking on the Packers in Green Bay. And the Packers were threatening double digits earlier in the week. That number down to minus seven and a half at minus 115, total 48 and a half. And Scott, the Packers are your team. How do you see this one going down at Lambeau Field? Uh, it's interesting. So I made the number eight and a half, a total of 49.6. I have not checked weather in this game. I don't think weather's an issue, but this thing has been bet down a little bit. Packers are kind of a slow paced team. So maybe that's leading into that. Um, also, the Redskins, just looking at their numbers here, um, they have about a 57% success rate running the ball. 
while Washington is, uh, or Green Bay has given up about a 58% success rate. So I think Washington's going to be able to move the ball on the ground here a little bit against Green Bay. The, the problem I have with Washington, and I talked about that teaser model, Green Bay doesn't fit into that model for me, even though we, we would be teasing through the seven and three, which is very crucial. Um, but Washington's played three good teams this year. They've lost by 22 to Buffalo, uh, by 11 to New Orleans, by 18 to Kansas City. You could argue and say, hey, Green Bay is not a great team. I think there's some truth to that. I I don't know that they have are as good as maybe the record indicates. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers does get seem to get things done. And I would argue, you know, Washington lost by 18 to Kansas City last week. That was a team who has a really good offense, really bad defense. Uh, you know, you could lump Green Bay into kind of a similar status type team. It's just hard for me to take the Redskins in this game. Um, but I do think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. But I just I'm not playing the game. Uh, I don't really want to lay seven and a half with with Green Bay either. And like I said, my numbers make it eight and a half. It's a pass for me. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get and play on this one. I hear you not being overly enthused with the Packers as a teaser candidate, but what's the ability to, again, cross through those key numbers? Um, I, I don't want to be just so rigid when it comes to that mathematical standpoint, but I do view this as a solid numbers grab, getting the Packers down to minus one and a half. And a big part of that, even looking at the matchup beyond just the numbers, Chris, you were ahead of the curve on this one. That Washington defense has pretty much been Swiss cheese so far this season. That could work to the delight of the cheeseheads at Lambeau Field on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, sorry for turning my head off screen, but I was double checking the weather for you, Scott. It's at 50 and, and, and partly cloudy, so everything right. looks okay. And uh, boy, it's hard to believe Washington could only score 13 points on Kansas City. That just goes to show you, you know, once you get some game film on a, on a backup quarterback, uh, even the Kansas City can shut uh, Washington down. But uh, I have Washington, the, the worst defense in the league, number 32. That's uh, not, you know, that's. Not created by me. Somehow, miraculously, uh, it turned out that way, surprisingly. But uh, I think this game has a lot of potential variance for whatever reason. I, I, th I really don't like the comments Rodgers made last uh, last week. I think it's an insult to all NFL players when you sit there and you go, we own you. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Washington has a little uh, chip on their shoulders. Uh, well, you know, uh, not wanting to be owned by them or, or kind of just trying that little extra effort toward Rodgers this week. So, uh, and, you know, how seriously will they take Washington? We're not even sure. But my numbers come right on it. I'm not going to have a bet on it. I don't know why. I don't even trust Green Bay to win the game, but I could see him winning by 28. So uh, I'm just going to pass on this game. Yeah, another game uh, where we we could see things go either way, depending on uh, how the Chiefs can perform in the turnover department. Uh, let's talk Chiefs heading to Tennessee, taking on the Titans as a four and a half point road favorite. Are the Chiefs this total in the stratosphere at 57 and a half? And Chris, a lot of points to be scored. Do you see any value on the betting board in this one? Well, you know, one of the things you learn is is you're you're going to do best on totals betting the lowest totals under and the highest totals over boy is it's it's hard to stomach uh, betting over uh the current total and uh it just seems so easy but uh boy they, you know nothing you know if anything goes wrong it's not going to go over so that's what i always worry about uh and and there have been instances where kansas city tries to elongate the game and and, and have the ground control so uh and we know tennessee likes to run uh henry so uh, I'm not as optimistic as some people are on that over. I'm going to sit that total out. My my numbers on the side have it dead on this number. So I'm glad I get to sit this game out because I could make a case for either side. I, I think Kansas City could roll. Uh, uh, you know, Tennessee really showed up against Buffalo and were impressive. And, are they, you know, now that they've dropped some players from the played, uh, they're in some trouble. So... I, I definitely, I lean toward uh, Kansas City, but I'm not going to have a play. Yeah, I lean Kansas City's way as well. I came across an interesting stat uh, from Fabian Summer, who goes by Suma in gambling circles. He mentioned that the Chiefs, number one in the league in points per drive, at the same time coming in at number one in the league in turnovers. That's a pretty tough thing to do. And I think that the turnovers more likely to regress toward the mean uh, than, you know, the points per drive from what we already know to be an explosive offense. So I've been waiting for the Chiefs to cure the turnover bug. It still hasn't happened. I don't want to bank on it happening in this one. Just a lean for me to the Chiefs. And Scott, another big factor in this one, kind of like the Thursday night game we broke down on our Tuesday show, 
who's going to be on the field at certain times. Uh, a big role in this one uh, will be the injury factor. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of injuries to, to look at. Let's just look at Tennessee, first of all. They've, they've dropped a, a, quite a few players in the secondary. Um, and no matter how this injury report comes out, they're going to be missing people back there. That is very favorable for Kansas City. And we've talked about this every single week. This Kansas City offense is kind of flying underneath the radar here because their defense has been so bad. But this Kansas City offense is really good. And to your point, Matt, you know, I was looking at this a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at my numbers and I, you know, I try to factor in, you can't really factor in fumbles. I try to factor in interceptions a little bit. Um, and, you know, I was getting some negativeness towards the Kansas City side because Mahomes is, is turning the ball over. And I'm like, well, that ain't going to continue. Well, it, it kind of kept continuing. But I agree with you. I think at some point that is going to regress. The other thing here um, that's a, just kind of sneaky and kind of unknown is Kansas City starting to get a little healthier on defense. I think Chris Jones is back this week. Traverius Traver Ward uh, very likely could be back as well. So they're starting, and, and they replaced Sorensen last week with Thornhill, uh, who, you know, just a few years ago, Thornhill was actually a decent linebacker for him uh, or safety for him as well. So they might actually start to improve a little bit here on defense. And if they do that, Mahomes stops turning the ball over, which I think the regression uh, can be expected there at some point. Kansas City could be laying, even in this game, a very short number. I do lean their way. I make the total 58. Uh, but to Chris's point, if, if Derrick Henry gets going running the ball, that is going to eat up clock. And now that becomes a tough number. And to Chris's point as well, one little thing goes bad with a really high total. And all of a sudden, it's going to be very tough to hit that number. And Kansas City, they started out last year very slow in terms of big pass plays of 20 yards or more. They've kind of done that this year as well. They did pick that up last year, so we'll see if they do. But if they take a long time to drive down the field as well, again, I think it makes it a little bit tough for this total to possibly get there. But I do lean over. I lean Kansas City, but no play for me. If you just have to play this game, I think the thing that has potentially the most certainty in this game would maybe be Casey over the team total points. Uh, so you don't really have to rely on Tennessee as much, but um, no play for me. Do you have any change in your off? What happened? Because Kansas City's dropped on my offensive rankings. Uh, was there something that happened uh, last game that stands out to you that would uh, stick out? Because I didn't really take a deep dive on why they dropped because I wasn't playing the game. Maybe uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey from a health standpoint? I don't know. I mean, like I'm looking last game, they had a 54% success rate throwing the ball. So now that that's a little bit lower than what they have yeah. been for this season. Um, and they had a 46 and percent rush rate. Again, that was lower. So, you know, maybe there's something there. Just uh, they didn't perform like they were for their, you know, earlier parts of the season. Yeah. Let's keep an eye on them. Uh, Cause they, they dropped. Uh, I, I just noticed that today actually that they had dropped. So sorry I, for I, elongating. I, no, I, you know, the other thing to throw in there, it's a good point, Chris, you know, uh, sorry, I'm just kind of sorting through some of my numbers here. You know, Tyreek Tyreek Hill has played every game, but he's been in and out of the games too. Maybe that's impacting their offense a little bit as well. Um, that could be another piece of it. Yeah, well, from one game where it's uh, just a consensus lean for us to the next game on the card where we have a couple bets in store, one of which came our way on the Tuesday show, Chris laying the points with the Falcons and Atlanta currently minus two and a half up to minus 115 on the big total 47 and a half. And I also have a plan. This one I'll speak to briefly here. Um, I was waiting when we recorded on Tuesday and touched on this game. Wanted to see if this line got up to three. It seems like it's going to stick on two and a half. It might even trickle back down a bit as the Dolphins have gotten some positive injury news. So I'm going to go ahead and tease the Dolphins up through three and seven to plus eight and a half. Pairing them with the Packers down to minus one and a half is my teaser this week. Chris, when you locked in on this play early in the week, the thought was the line might get up to three. Now that it sits where it is, and, and given the forecast for this line over the next couple of days, how are you feeling about that Falcons ticket you got early in the week? You know, I heard somewhere that there was a possibility of some uh, in, uh, inclement weather coming in, but uh, it's showing that it's going to be okay. Uh, I mentioned Tuesday that it looked like this may hit three, but uh, it's peaked. It's, it's going to start dropping a little bit. Uh, so... Uh, if you like Atlanta, you probably can wait and and, may, and make it a better line. If you if you like Miami, I would bet it now. Gotcha, Scott. Any thoughts on this one? No, not really. Uh, I have situations going both ways. I made Miami about a one point favorite. I I just can't trust them. I, I 
Both these teams are bad. I think they might be better than Atlanta, which is not saying a whole lot, but uh, no play for me. I, I don't want to be playing Miami. Fair enough. Well, you do have a play in the next game on the card here. The Jets traveling to New England in an AFC East showdown. The Patriots laying seven at a juicy minus 120, total 42 and a half. Scott, tell us about your angle on this one. Yeah, so uh, I would, I'm using New England in a money line parlay uh, with a game obviously coming up later that we'll talk about. You could use them in a teaser as well. Um, and we'll talk about some other games that I would tease them with. I just don't have the right game right now with the right spread to tease them. Uh, so I'm going with the money line parlay. But uh, look, with, with Miami here, uh, or I should say New England here, they they beat the Jets 25 to six. Uh, I think it was week two uh, coming off that home loss to Miami. They needed that game. They kind of need the game here as well. That game was actually kind of closer than the 25 to six score. I will say that um, it was four Zach Wilson turnovers, interceptions that really uh, aided New England in that game. But New England's played two rookie quarterbacks, uh, Zach Wilson being one. They, they won that game, like I said, 25-6. And then they beat um, Davis Mills in Houston a few weeks ago, 25-22. Very, very close game as well. I feel pretty good about New England's ability to win this game uh, outright. Um, I do actually have a couple really good situations on the Jets that played Detroit against Minnesota two weeks ago. Also played Houston last week, which didn't get there, but I do respect those situations. So I don't think I'd want to play New England on a spread, um, but I, I do think they will win this game. Um, and uh, so I'm going to I'm going to use them as part of a money line parlay with another game later on. I know you're in play on the Patriots in that money line parlay, so not necessarily disagreeing with you too much here. But when you mentioned that first game not being um uh, or maybe being closer than that scoreboard would have indicated. I kind of felt the other way watching it. So maybe I'm pushing back a bit in the sense that Zach Wilson turning the ball over four times uh, sounds kind of fluky, but then again, Belichick against a rookie quarterback. We, we've kind of seen how that goes. I feel like that might be more a feature than a bug with these young quarterbacks turning the ball over a lot against that Patriots defense. And that has me leaning the Patriots way in this one. Just wondering what's really changed since week two when the Patriots went off as a minus six point favorite at the Jets. Now this is uh, getting home field, you know, awfully short shrift, even in an era of the home field advantage declining. So a lean to me for the Patriots. And Chris, just like Scott, you're looking their way on the money line, rounding out that Baltimore money line parlay from earlier. Yeah, you know, and I'm just noticing uh, New England's two and four, and it just seems, uh, it just seems unfair. Uh, they're a better team than a two and four team. And uh, this is do or die. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna bring the intensity to this game. My metrics make this game a little bit higher than the seven, but it, it's not a situation uh, uh, that I'm gonna bet uh, with the points. But I am gonna close out that Baltimore money line, and instead of taking a, a part or, or a teaser down to one, I made it a money line parlay. So they're both pick, and I think I paid one cent more, or one or two cents more, to be able to do that. So uh, that's why I chose to parlay instead of tease, and uh, uh, that's what I'm doing in that game. Fair enough. Well, plenty of action for the three of us on the early slate on Sunday. This will take us to the end of that early window, so we'll call a quick timeout for the audience joining us live on YouTube. We'd appreciate it if you could give us a quick thumbs up. And as always, as we work our way through the card, if you have any questions or any thoughts of your own, let us know what you think in that chat. And on that note, we'll move on to the late window. Chris, your Detroit Lions taking on the Rams. And this is the first of three massive point spreads out of four games in the late window on Sunday. The Rams, a 16-point favorite, total at 50 and a half. And Chris, is this the game where the Lions finally let go of the rope after competing so hard for Dan Campbell early on? Well, I mentioned on Tuesday that spirits were low and uh, things just weren't looking good. Uh, you know, some finger pointing, some disgruntledness. But uh, I'm, I think that actually what this has evolved into is uh, rallying and, and, and just being embarrassed. And I, I think you're going to get a maximum effort from Detroit. But the problem here is you, in so many different categories, you have the worst of this facing the, one of the best of this. And... Boy, you know, how you can handicap that is difficult. Uh, you know, in Detroit's favor, you, you do have Goff and you do have the Detroit Lions GM who have been with the organization and can help out in various aspects of how to attack the team and where the weaknesses are. But 
is Goff even capable of it with how many people are, are constantly injured? Decker was supposed to come back, and now he, they, you know, he's not coming back. And uh, they just have so few. They're, they're just so limited on resources to fight. Uh, I have this line at 11 on my metrics, but I have... I have decided not to play the game. I, I said on Tuesday I thought the line would go down to 14, if anything, from the 15, but it went up to 16. So uh, uh, I haven't been very accurate there. Just sitting it out. Just sitting it out. Yeah, and Scott, on your end, it seems like these numbers might be just about where you make them. Yeah, they are pretty spot on. I made it 15.7 and, uh, what, 50, 50 and a half, basically. So right there. Lions have scored 17 or less, I think, what, five games in a row now. Um, Rams have allowed 14 or less against the the worst teams that they've played this year. So you kind of figure, unless something fluky happens, Detroit doesn't score more than 17. And then it's just a matter of uh, will the Rams score enough to cover the, the game. And like Chris said, I could start spitting out a whole bunch of first here and last there, but that's, that's why this spread is what it is. So um, no play for me uh, on this game. Yeah, well, moving on to the next game on the card, the one game out of the four in that late window on Sunday without a monster point spread, the Eagles traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Currently, the Raiders a soft three-point favorite. Under 48.5 is the total. Now, Scott, I know you're looking at that under. Uh, you had mentioned 49 previously on the show sheet. How do you feel about the current number, 48.5? Yeah, I like it. I like the under here. I would take it to uh, 47.5. I made the number 44.5. Uh, so we've got some value there. This is also a game that, and I think this line will go there. If this goes down to two and a half, I would use Philadelphia as a teaser uh, in this game as well. You know, taking them plus three is okay. But uh, as a teaser, I kind of like that as well. I think this is a, a very interesting game in that uh, Vegas is number one in, in big pass plays of 20 yards or more. But Philadelphia, very surprisingly, surprisingly and very sneaky, uh, they are number two in giving up the fewest big pass plays. And they are playing a two-deep safety defense, much like Brandon Staley plays with the Chargers. And if we go back to that Charger game against the Raiders, um, the Raiders only scored 14 points in that game and really had, I'd have to go back and look, but probably two or three big plays in that game. They took that away. I think Philadelphia will take that away as well. The Raiders, by the way, surprisingly, are actually number three in the league and allowing the fewest big pass plays as well. So I don't see Philadelphia getting a ton of big pass plays in this game either. We're going to take out the big pass plays potentially. And I think Philadelphia can move the ball on the ground here uh, a little bit as well and, and very well stay in this game. And if we look at the Raiders, when the Raiders have played a team uh, in the top half of the a league this year and not allowing big pass plays, they scored 14 against, uh, or what they score against the um, uh, the Bears? I don't even know, maybe nine. nine. Yeah, nine points there, right? They did score 26 against Pittsburgh, but let's remember, Pittsburgh had a whole bunch of injuries in the secondary uh, as well in that game as other injuries on defense. And then, of course, um, against the Chargers, 14. So I think this thing will come under the number, and I also like Philly in a tease if this number goes down to two and a half so we can tease through the three and the seven. Um, and I'll just note here, the Raiders as a home favorite going back a long, long time here. Uh, they have not, they've only like, I think maybe won one or two games by more than seven points. So very, feel very comfortable about the teaser because I think Philly could win this game outright potentially as well. Yeah, quick question on the teaser for you, Scott. You've mentioned now Philadelphia and I believe the Giants as well as teams you're looking at in the teaser if the line goes to two and a half. And I understand that if you're starting at three, uh, you'd rather cross through it in a teaser. So I get where you're coming from. But if you're confident that these numbers are going to come down, uh, is there any reason you wouldn't just go ahead and lock in these teasers now, basically taking an extra half point if you already think that two and a half would be possibly the the way that these numbers end coming coming up on Sunday when these games are kicking off? Yeah, you could. I guess I'd have to look at that a little bit to see. Um, but you, you're right, Matt. You have it now. It's not like you never had it, right? Uh, and so now you're you're going across the three and the seven. I you, you're probably correct in that. Um, I'd like to get Chris's you know, opinion on that too, but uh, you, you're probably right. I, I think just inherently it seems like the wrong thing to do, but it, you know, it, it, maybe not, uh, you know, as you kind of point out. Well, you know, I like to cheat teasers uh, from at the beginning of the week. If I know lines are going to move a certain direction, I, I, I'll take some odd teasers sometimes 
just because I know I'm going to get a point, point and a half. But you, you've got to be on your game to be able to do that and, and, and know things uh, very well. But you make a good, that's a great question, Matt, because I, I don't think it's all that bad just because it, it's leaning so heavily. You might as well take that extra half a point, I think. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a marginal error, I would think. Uh, uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, if you're that sure about it, then you should, you should, you're probably betting it straight up anyway. Yeah, well, to that point, I am betting the Eagles straight up in this one. Uh, I've taken the three, and I'm still good with it at the current number, minus 115. I think there's a big narrative in play for this game. Do the Raiders play up once again like they did last week for their new coach, or do we see them kind of come back to earth after, you know, maybe a dead cat bounce against Denver last week? And I I see that narrative cutting either way, so I'm not going to weigh, you know, either aspect too heavily. I'm really looking at some matchups here specifically matchups favoring Philadelphia in the trenches. Defensively for the Eagles, they're number four in the league in pass rush win rate, and the Raiders offensive line, bottom 10 in the league in pass block win rate, so that could really help the Eagles get some pressure on Derek Carr and contain some possible big passing plays. On the other side of the ball, the Eagles offensive line in line to get Lane Johnson back, and that could really help them neutralize a surprisingly strong Las Vegas pass rush to start the season. Um, one more thing beyond the Eagles matchup in the trenches here, I think strength of schedule could be a stealth factor because the Eagles have played half their games through six weeks against elite teams, considering they've taken on the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bucks. And I don't want to sell the Raiders short. They have been very impressive so far, starting out four and two. But just considering some of these teams the Eagles have played, even going on the road to take on the four and two Raiders, this could mark a bit of a step down in class for Philadelphia. And considering they're coming into this one with extra rest, having played on Thursday night last week, that's just the cherry on top to, you know, nudge me to pull the trigger, locking in the Eagles plus three. And Chris, I'd like to get your take on this one because I'm on the side here. Scott's on the under. What do you make of this Eagles Raiders showdown? Uh, you know, I thought I'd be sitting this one out, but if, if it drops below three, then I believe I'm going to get involved in the Raiders, uh, primarily just based on my metrics. I have Philadelphia rated in the mid-20s defensively. Uh, I, I know people are excited about some of their stats and what they're able to do, and I realize they're getting a little bit healthier. I, I do like this first, you know, one or two game bump with the new head coach. Uh, I think it. I, I, I think that Chicago game you basically throw out, and uh, that game hurt their metrics and uh, just hurt the the perspective you might have because I think just some of the players just didn't show up for Gruden in, uh, in that game. So I, I have this, uh, I had the Raiders a, a fair amount better than Philadelphia. I don't understand why Philadelphia just doesn't pack it in, quite frankly. They have a primo draft spot in one of the greatest drafts we're going to see. This next draft is going to be very good. And they have, I, I forget what the number is, but an absurd amount of draft picks. So the lower they finish, boy, do they just uh, exponentially increase their their draft capital. So, uh, but I'm going with the Raiders if it goes below three. So that's where I'm standing on this. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I, I just wonder how impressive that Raider victory was last week when we said Denver last night. This defense for Denver uh, has really been bad. And so it makes me kind of question, you know, did they really get a bump up here? And I, and I agree with the coach coming in, and that could carry itself for a couple games. But did we really get that against this Denver team, which is just – you know, it, it, say no more there. And the only other point I'll make is Philly, um, where Philly has struggled this year, in my mind, is against the good teams they've played, the Dallas, the Tampa Bay, the Kansas City, but against the Carolinas, the San Francisco's, and uh, Atlanta, they've stood up. And I think the Raiders are a very, very average team at best. So um, just another reason I kind of like Philly in this game a little bit too. Yeah, I think, well, I, yeah, I think the, the Raiders are not an elite team by any means. I just don't, I think, Vegas is average, and I think Philadelphia is below yeah. average. Yeah, yeah. You think less of Philly, right? Clearly, right? Yeah, yeah well, Scott, uh, Raiders Nation might be coming for you and me in the comments section of this game clip, but we'll see how it plays out on the field on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas. And moving on to our next game, a recent opponent of the Raiders that you touched on, Chris, the Chicago Bears traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the defending champs. Currently, the line is minus 13 for the Bucks. That's at even money. Total at 47 and a half. Uh, Chris, I know this number is awfully high. What do you make of it? 
Well, uh, Scott's going to update the injury news there. Everybody's sitting, and I I refer back to divisional previews where I thought Tampa Bay was going to be sort of like an NBA version of the NFL. Uh, Not that they've necessarily started doing that intentionally, but I think that they just have the freedom to sit players out uh, for extended periods of time. Gronk's missing his fourth week in a row. And I think we're going to start to see more of that as this long season develops. I don't have uh, any advantage in this game at all. Uh, my numbers come out to pretty much exactly uh, where it's lined. And I, I just don't have any reason in the world to get involved in this game because I can't trust the motivational factors uh, involved with Tampa Bay because, you know, they should pretty much just be happy to get a, get a, get out of there with a win. Yeah, the big X factor for me was that Bucks injury situation over the course of the week, trying to keep an eye on guys like Gronk, Winfield, Levante, David, and and we're getting some clarity on that. Now, Scott, with all the injury uncertainty we've been dealing with over the course of the week and what you're seeing right now, how do you see this one shaking out Sunday in Tampa Bay? So, yeah, let's just clean up the injury stuff here. Um, they have ruled out Gronk, as Chris said. Antonio Brown, I think that's a pretty big one because he, he stretches the field for him. Uh, he is out. Levante, David kind of expected linebackers out and Richard Sherman cornerback. We knew he was going to be out the one, the one they do get back those Antoine Winfield. Uh, he's cleared the uh, concussion protocol. So he'll be back, which does help that secondary, which needs a little bit of help back there. Uh, I make the number here about 14. I'm kind of surprised this thing's coming down a little bit, but uh, you know, again, you know, are the bucks interested or not? The bucks lost to the bears last year in that game, I believe. Correct. Uh, on a Monday night, I think up yep. in Chicago, Yeah, Tom Brady, you not know, knowing it was fourth down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So there might be some motivation here from Brady from that standpoint. I'll say this about the game. Um, Number one, we've said this every week, and here it comes again. Chicago against bad teams, they win. Against good teams, not so good. Let's go look. Last year, they lose by um, 14 to the Rams on the road, by 7 to Tennessee, 16 to Green Bay, 12 to New Orleans. This year, they lost by 20 to the Rams, by 20 to the Browns uh, at home last week, by 10 to Green Bay. Um, now this spreads much higher, so we kind of lose some of those advantages, but my initial gut here is first of all, they're probably not staying within single digits of Tampa Bay. Number one, number two, nobody runs the ball on Tampa Bay. Chicago's not running the ball on Tampa Bay. That means they have to throw. Justin Fields has a 37% success rate throwing the ball. To me, that is a disaster about to hit Chicago from that standpoint. So I don't see the Bucks score or the Bears scoring a ton of points here. Maybe their defense can contain Tampa Bay a little bit. Um, but I will also say this, since Brady came to Tampa Bay last year, uh, when they've been favored by seven or more points, they've scored 31 or more points in six of those seven games. It's very likely Tampa Bay gets to 31 in this game. I don't think the Bears get to 17. Um, if the team total for Tampa Bay was at 29 and a half, I would play that over. I think it's 30 and a half. You kind of lose that 30 number. I'd make it 31 for Tampa Bay. So Probably not enough uh, room for air there for me, but um, I lean Tampa Bay, lean Tampa Bay team total over. Scott, I I perceived a lot of confidence from you in saying that you don't see the Bears coming within single digits in this one. And at the same time, um, we've talked about teasers a lot. You're not teasing the Bucks here. I think a lot of betters, when they see these big favorites, do take some solace and possibly teasing them down from these really high numbers to you know to needing to win by a lower margin. Um, but can you explain why that's not necessarily the best idea if you're losing perhaps some value when it comes to the key numbers that can make teasers a good bet in the first place? Yeah, so if if you're, uh, let's just say, lane 120 for a six-point teaser, for example, you've got to win that uh, just about 74% of the time. I don't have the numbers in front of me, Matt, uh, in terms of, let's just say, teasing 12.5 down to 6.5, but I'm pretty confident uh, that's not close to 74% which means this is not a plus EV situation. So uh, that's simply why you would not want to be teasing that number down in my mind. Yeah, it's just remarkable how stubborn people are to just, they, they want to tease through numbers that are no good. Uh, it, you know, it, it's really simple. Go through the three, go through the seven, move on. If, if you're not going through those numbers, you generally don't want to be unless you're you're getting an extra edge somehow and, and getting uh, on line movement and stuff like that. But teasing through these, du- you know, into these double digits, that's a losing proposition. You may win that one game, but it, over time it's a loser. 
Yeah, it's a particularly rough proposition looking at our next game because even on a teaser, you can't get the Cardinals down into single digits. <laughs> of course, the Cardinals hosting the Houston Texans. If you thought the Rams and Bucks were big favorites, wait until you see this number, 17 and a half Arizona laying at home to Houston, total 47 and a half. It's got another case of some sky high numbers, but they're pretty much in line with what you make them. Yeah, I made it about 17 and a half. Now I do make the total 44.2. There is a little bit of value here on the under. I actually personally played it. Um, I'm not necessarily recommending it. Maybe I am, I guess. Um, I, I, but I think there's a little bit of value here in the under. So first of all, let's just talk side. Houston uh, on the road with Davis Mills. They've been blown out by 40 at Buffalo, by 28 at Indianapolis. Um, so they haven't really been competitive there. The question here really, I think, kind of becomes how, how interested is Arizona and for how long uh, to really hold them down? The other thing you may want to take a look at in this game is possibly a second half under if Arizona is blowing them out early on. Houston has only scored, and Davis Mills now, I believe, has played four games. They've only scored 10 points in the second half of all those four games. So um, they are not scoring a whole bunch of points in the second half. Um, and remember, Arizona has a very, very big game coming up next Thursday night against Green Bay. They may take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit here if they get up by a significant amount uh, and, and run the ball and eat some clock as well. So I think there's a little bit of value here on the under. I'm, I'm not really interested in the side at all. I think the number's right, but that's kind of what I'm looking at in this game. I like that look at a possible play on the second half under. And I've got to ask, I think of uh, the chance to do a little bit of work in the past with the late, great David Molinsky mentioning a lot of times with these halftime numbers, Sports books would often go off of a chart, you know, just based on the pregame numbers and, and the way the game has gone so far. It's pretty formulaic as to how they'll lay out the second half total. In a case like this, do you think any books would take into account some of the factors that you just laid out? Or could it be as simple as, you know, based on what we see in the first half of Arizona's out to a commanding lead, just for the reasons you laid out, you know, it might not get accounted for in that line. Hence, the door could be open for some value on a second half under. Well, so, yeah, it's, it's a great question. I've kind of thought through this. So the game total, 47 and a half, uh, which probably means second half total in a normal situation, 23 and a half, 23, give or take, right? So now let's say Arizona's up 24 to three at halftime or something. Um, that second half total might be 20 and a half. It may not even be 21. Um, but again, if Houston's not scoring, if Arizona's going to take their foot off the gas pedal, I do believe in the second half, they are a pretty slow playing team um, uh, in some of these halves. So they may play into that as well. And remember, you know, if you see 20 and a half, and you're like, damn, I wish I had 21. As soon as there's a field goal kick in the second half, that 21 means absolutely nothing, right? So don't get hung up on the 20 and a half, and I, I only take it if I get 21. Uh, I would look at it just generally, just the concept as a whole. How is that second half going to play? Uh, but you're right. If they're blowing them out, that second half total is going to be lower. Um, I haven't looked at this in a long time, so I don't have as good of, of halftime data, but there used to be when you were a double-digit favorite and you're up by 20 or more points at halftime at home, that used to be a very significant play to the under uh, as well. Yeah, and it, you know another thing you look for, if you can find a place that'll let you tease something, you, you, you generally would want to tease all these points with the under. It's, it's hard to find places that'll let you do that, but uh, uh, or else you would go laying all the points in the over, depending on what the total is. Yeah, I think a lot of betters, when they look at this number, might be, you know, uh, either inclined just to back the Cardinals at any cost because they've been so good or trying to, you know, take a quote unquote sharp side, taking the Texans because the number is so big. I can't pull the trigger either way here. I think the Cardinals proved a lot last week. I mean, Murray reports where he was banged up going to the game and he played very well once again. Uh, the Cardinals were dealing with injuries beyond Kyler Murray. Also some COVID uh, positives keeping Cliff Kingsbury out of that game. So Vance Joseph had the time of his life coaching Arizona to a win over the Browns. Uh, the weather was something that we thought, you know, would work against Arizona as a desert team that plays in a dome. And, and the way they throttled the Browns really showed me a lot. So I'm, you know, in no rush to get and play against them. Also in no rush to lay a number like 17 and a half. Chris, what's your take on this one? Well, believe it or not, my numbers show that this uh, this line is short. But as Scott spoke about, we don't know what the – is Murray going to be worried about uh, padding some stats so that he has a shot at an MVP people thought was impossible at the beginning of the year? Or uh, – but, uh, you know, are they going to try to work in Ertz? Uh, Ertz, they picked up from Philadelphia, a good tight end. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate him. 
I don't see they can just name the score. They can just name everything that's involved with this game. And it just makes the unpredictability uh, j- just too much to deal with. But if I had to play it, I would play Arizona over and I'd probably play the game under. I mean, I'm sorry, I play Arizona uh, to cover the points and I play the, the total under which doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> Hey, Hey, Chris, just a point on that Ertz thing. I was watching this morning, uh, a beat writer for Arizona. They were given a, a, it was like an eight minute preview on the game. And that beat writer said he can almost guarantee you with certainty, whatever that means. Can't really do that. Of course, that Zach Ertz will score a touchdown in this game. Uh, you know, obviously I don't think he knows a whole lot, but he might feel that there's a pretty strong tendency to really get him involved and, and showcase him and then go forward. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I think so. Uh, a touchdown might be a bit far-fetched, but that might be an angle for things like receptions, receiving yards, uh, where those props become available over the course of the weekend. Uh, that might be a good insight to look directionally that way for Zach Ertz. Yep. I think that wraps us up for I, the— I, There's uh, oh, Chris, two wide receivers that could miss for Houston in this game, too, right, Scott? Uh, I'm sorry, two what? Two wide receivers for Houston might be out uh, on this game. Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm not sure on that. Okay. A little Just bit more to, to check, though. Yep, a little more to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. And with that, we'll move on to our primetime slate. First up on Sunday night, the Colts traveling to the West Coast to take on the 49ers. San Francisco currently a juicy minus four, total 43 and a half. And Chris, you're in play on a side in this one. Yeah, I thought the the line was uh, pretty out of whack when it opened up and uh, took the Colts early. And subsequently, all I've seen is uh, one injury announced after another, and yet Garoppolo has been uh, good to go the whole week and, uh, you know, all but assured to start, and this number doesn't move. So what that tells me is, boy, were they off on this number to start, because it did trickle down to three and a half briefly, uh, and then the injury announcement started to to hit, and uh, boy, the Colts just get decimated week after week after week. But they're improving every week. Uh, granted, uh, it wasn't the best of competition last week uh, that they beat, and which was the Houston we just spoke about. Uh, it was a closer, it was a close game at the half, and it took the second half to get some separation there. But you know, we've seen the Colts play teams like the Rams. The Colts were in much worse shape than they were for this game against the Rams and, and could have came away with a win there. And uh, they're getting, they're getting healthier. And uh, boy, I lost my Owen Wentz. Wentz has been doing very, very well. And uh, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I, I actually meant to jot down some stats for him and I, I didn't have the time, unfortunately, but uh, he's been doing very well over the last uh, few games, like the last three or four games. He's fitting in really well. So uh, I have this considerably different than what it's lined, uh, even with these injuries. I feel confident on the Colts, uh, regardless of them. Uh, I think the lines makers got this one wrong. Yeah, I hear you on the reasons to back the Colts. It is a pass for me at this age, a couple wild cards, potential weather issues with wind and rain, also with Jimmy G's return. Just how healthy is he and just how productive will he be? So those are a couple of things I'll be keeping a close eye on. And Scott, when it comes to how you look at this game, of course, it has been tough sledding of late for the 49ers at home. So that also could work in Chris's favor with his Colts bet. Yeah, I, it's tough to lay points with San Francisco. They're one in eight straight up in their last uh, last nine games at home as a home favorite uh, during the regular season. Oh, and nine against the spread. They have not covered the spread in nine games. So you're asking them with I what I think is a fairly average quarterback to uh, overcome you know a point spread that they have to beat, and that that makes it tough. And we know San Francisco wants to run the ball. They've actually struggled a little bit running the ball this year. India is not an easy team to run the ball on. Um, so I do think it'll be difficult for San Francisco to run the ball. Now, the Colts secondary, unfortunately, has allowed teams to throw on them. So San Francisco might do that. But as you pointed out, Matt, there's a lot of wind and rain in this game. I made the number three and a half and 43. I did play a little bit on the under 43 and a half just simply because it's a weather play. They're talking about maybe up to 35 mile an hour gusting winds uh, and certainly a lot of rain possibly uh, as well. So. To me, I think the under, again, just just a weather play, if nothing else, but also just how this thing matches up. Just on the matchup, San Francisco probably has to throw the ball to succeed. If they can't throw the ball because of the weather, uh, that's going to prevent them from moving the ball. 
no real play on the side. I've seen sharps on both sides of this thing. So a little birdie in my shoulder says stay away from the side in this game. Um, but um, a little play on the under because of the weather for me. So you have San Francisco is the better team between these two teams on a neutral field. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm giving about two. Well, actually, that's a good point. Um, they're coming off a bye, right? So they're, they're getting little value for San Francisco coming off the bye, adding a couple points for home field. It almost makes these teams even, I guess, when, you, when I factor in those numbers. Yeah, I, I think this San Francisco team without Kittle is an entirely different team also. And the, San Francisco, this gets back to you have to pivot. And we had high hopes for San Francisco and expected them to run the table possibly uh, in this division. But I don't think San Francisco's the better team. So getting more than a field goal is ridiculous. Yeah, that, my, my work. My worry on the Colts, Chris, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with you on this, uh, is just that secondary. But again, as I just said, yeah. if the weather is going to keep them from throwing the ball, that ain't going to matter for the most part. They're right? not going to be able to. It's going to be a downpour. Yeah. yeah. By the way, well, just one, one last thing on that. Sorry, Matt. Just you may want to look at some player prop unders now before Sunday afternoon when uh, everyone knows about the bad weather. There might be some value in some of that stuff, too. Yeah. Something good to keep an eye on for this one, in addition to Chris's look at the Colts. And we can move from one NFC West team playing at home in primetime to another. The Seattle Seahawks hosting the New Orleans Saints. Currently, the Saints, a four and a half point road favorite, total 42 and a half. And Scott, you're using this one to round out a money line parlay you touched on earlier with the Patriots. Yeah, I like New Orleans in this game. I make the number when we start to factor in, you know, Geno Smith for, for Wilson. Uh, about six points for New Orleans, uh, total of about 41 points. Um, the Saints could be getting a whole bunch of players back here this week, too. It just helps to kind of fortify this team. But Seattle's strength here is running the ball. They have about a 59% success rate running the ball. But they're going to run into a brick wall, in my opinion, with New Orleans, who only allows a 38% success rate running the ball. And we saw Geno Smith come in two weeks ago in that game against the Rams. He averaged 7.7 yards a pass, which we said last week is probably an anomaly. Uh, last week against Pittsburgh, he averaged four and a half yards a pass, which is way down from Russell Wilson, who was averaging eight yards a pass this year. And Russell Wilson was averaging, I think, 6.7 yards a pass in his career. I just don't see Seattle being able to move the ball in this game. And Gino got sacked five times last week. Saints are going to be on him. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Uh, they're probably going to sack him. We might get some Geno Smith mistakes. Um I, I, I like New Orleans in this game, and if you don't want to do the money line parlay, I, laying to four and a half with New Orleans is probably not the end of the world either. Yeah, and as you break that down, it makes me feel even better about a bet that I've already fired in on the under in this one, and I'm still good with it at the current number of 42 and a half, even though that's a low total. Building on some of the factors you laid out, Scott, um, both of these offenses lacking explosiveness, and we've seen the Seahawks get run heavy with Russell Wilson under center. We could see that really take off with Geno Smith now uh, taking Wilson's place in this one as the Saints again get healthier. That has fortified their defense in particular. The one potential fly in the ointment here could be Sean Payton unleashing Jameis Winston coming out of the Saints bye. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that, but he hasn't really let Winston do his thing yet. So if that holds up, the under looks like a pretty good bet to me in this one. More than anything, I'm just glad that we get the Peyton and Eli broadcast back for the Monday night, you know, alternative broadcast on ESPN2. So I'll be looking forward to watching it that way. And Chris, with Scott on the Saints in his Moneyline parlay and myself on the under, uh, what do you make of our bets in this one? Uh, I kind of lean uh, toward that under also, but I worry uh, the Saints have started scoring some points these last few games. And uh, but they've scored 28, 21, 33. And I, I just see a risk of the, the, the wheels really falling off the bus this week. Uh, if, if Carroll doesn't change that game plan, uh, it's going to get ugly. They, they, they've got to be he's got to be more creative and he has no history of being creative and, and, and pivoting. I mean, he's stubborn. So uh, assuming that he, he, he follows form, uh, it, it could be a really bad game. That, I don't respect that defense very much. I have Seattle so lowly rated. I have them behind the Giants. I have them behind Washington. Uh, they, they are they are not doing very many things well. Whereas you've got the Saints, which is a top ten defense, or uh, and uh, 
the offense is at least getting better recently. Uh, I lean toward the Saints in this game. It's not uh, it's not been an official play for me uh, at the current numbers because I think uh, people are betting the Seattle for some reason and bringing this number down. Yeah, well, even if this is an unofficial play for you, we do have plenty of official plays on the Week 7 card. So we can pull up a full screen graphic for those watching this on YouTube to break down our best bets for week seven. And we can see in addition to what's up here, Chris, on a money line, money line parlay with the Ravens and the Patriots, as well as the Falcons minus two and a half from our Tuesday show. Uh, Chris, also with some late additions that didn't make the cut for the graphic, but uh, taking Carolina minus three at even money against the Giants, as well as the Colts for a cheap plus four on Sunday night football. I'm on the Panthers-Giants under 43. Also one teaser for me this week, the Packers minus one and a half paired with the Dolphins plus eight and a half, taking the Eagles plus three against the Raiders and the Saints-Seahawks under 42 and a half on Monday night. Two plays for Scott this week, a money line parlay with the Patriots and the Saints, as well as the Eagles and Raiders under 48 and a half. So that's what we've got for week seven. Thanks to everybody for joining us. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd appreciate a quick thumbs up. You can also go ahead and subscribe to this channel while you're at it and go ahead and comment with any thoughts you have on our bets for this week. If you want to get down on any bets for yourself, one more reminder, you can go ahead and sign up at BetUS using that promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign up bonus. And as we get ready to sign off, want to wish you best of luck with your week seven action. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern 2.30 Pacific for our early look at week eight. Jeez, guys, we're already almost halfway through the season, but we uh, we make our way forward, and we will see you again right back here on Tuesday at BetUS, where the game begins.